All right, y'all, appreciate you checking in. Whether you're uh, watching this, listening to this, I got Coach Jordan Hunter from North Arkansas College, North Ark. Um, you guys are tuning in to Center Court, as I'm dubbing this, uh, Episode 3 with Coach Dakota Webb. Um, coach, for let, let, let's assume like the player, the parent, the coach, whoever's watching or listening to this has no clue who you are. How would you describe yourself? <laughs> Well, th thanks for having me first and foremost, of and course. most people have no clue who I am. Uh, <laughs> most people might know who my father is, Steve Hunter. He's a, a Hall of Fame high school basketball coach from, from mm -hmm. this area. And, right. And, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm a junior college basketball coach. I'm mm -hmm. uh, you know, assistant athletic director, assistant men's basketball coach at, at North Arkansas College, and I, I teach business and IT classes as well. But uh, who I am as a person, uh, just... Uh, a former high school and college basketball player that uh, went into the business world and decided that uh, I, I miss being around basketball way too much and, and right. came back to uh, to coaching. Awesome. Um, where, what made you fall in love with basketball? Was it like being around your dad who was, you know, so deep in it as like such a renowned coach or like did you love it from the beginning or were you one of those kids that kind of had to fall in love with it over time or yeah i mean it, it, you know it's just a rite of passage in my family in the right. sports family uh i i feel like i've always loved it there there's definitely ups and downs with sports you know where mm -hmm. you, you fall uh, more in love or less in love with it over time but uh I, I guess the feeling that it gives you, um, you know, just being a part of the team and, and, and competing uh, is tough to replicate in other areas of your life. Right. Um, so that's that's probably what you miss the most about it, you think? Definitely. Just just uh, that uh, adrenaline rush that comes with game day. And, right. And really just the, the grind of, of uh, being disciplined day in and day out with, uh, you know, with your body and, and developing mm -hmm. your skills. That's, of course. It's something you... Uh, you really miss and you don't know you miss until you uh, mm -hmm. you're away from it right um so wh where was it that you played at uh you like know, high school at, college? At high school yeah i, yeah. I uh, played at ozark high school right and you're here in the springfield area and uh was a part of uh, some really good teams uh, my sophomore junior and senior year there right uh played at um North Central Missouri College, which is up in right. Trenton. Uh, it's it's a junior college, and right. uh, we actually compete against them now, nice. uh, which is fun. One of, one of my college roommates and one of my my, my good friends in, in the coaching world is is the head coach there, so it's fun to coach That's against cool. him. We were we were teammates my freshman year there at North Central, uh, and then I transferred to um, Westminster College, which is an NCAA right. Division three in Fulton, Fulton Missouri. Right. Yep. yep, yep, that's that was my uh, my playing career. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I had some friends that played at Westminster in my, my short stint up at Central Methodist University. Um, yeah. So having come up in like a sports family or like um, your dad being such a good coach, how is it now? Like you've seen that from like the family side. You've seen it as a player. How is it now? Like you assist your dad, right? It's been like yeah. six years now that you've been assisting. Yeah, this is the start of our six years. So I guess it's right. been about five and a half years since I, since I moved down here and, and started helping my dad and, right. and, you know, always being in his shadow, he's, he's, uh, he's had a lot of success. Uh, and I always knew that he was a, a good coach and a quality coach. Um, but seeing it from, from the inside mm -hmm. behind closed doors and those conversations that happen, right. um, that's, you know, it's been eye-opening, and I've learned so much um, that I thought that that maybe I knew, but but I didn't. Mm -hmm. Right. What have you learned the most from your dad? Uh, you know, just just that it's it's um, 
it's important to to have standards and it's important to to have morals and, mm -hmm. and to hold people accountable um, but but also be understanding you know those relationships that you develop with your players that's that's really the most important part about what we do uh, you know that's that's really what we remember uh, the most about uh, you right. know players after they leave is is the relationship that we had with them. You know the wins and the losses are are important, and that's that's kind of what you're shooting for. But you know the relationship uh, development is mm -hmm. is is kind of uh, what makes it the most rewarding. Profession. Right. And and honestly, I couldn't agree more. Right. Like I remember, you know, I I had such a poor experience, largely to my fault, <laughs> um, as a college player that I I told myself I was done with it and like walked away and. You know, I couldn't stay, much like you said, like you couldn't stay away from it, like you missed it. And, you know, for me, like I had, I had like a personal journey I had to overcome that I, it took years. It wasn't even like at the beginning of my coaching career, but um, just kind of like coming to grips with what I needed to do better and, and whatnot. And that kind of got the sour taste out of my mouth as well. Like whenever you realize it's your fault, nobody like is putting this on you and you just take ownership. But... You know, it's it's funny. I still remember whenever I decided to get back into it, and the first person I called was my high school coach. You know, and like I was, first of all, wanting advice, and then I I just was overcome with wanting to tell him thank you, right? Because I had now been a few years removed from high school, had some perspective, and it was even more so clear to me just like how big he was in my life and how it was so much bigger than basketball, right? And like those relationships. I think even now are what I probably value the most, right? Like yeah. there's a ton of people that know basketball. Like that can't be overstated. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's, there's really not that much to know. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's of course varying levels. We do overcomplicate it sometimes. We, we really we? do. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's probably the most um, undertaught and, and overcomplicated thing there is in the sports world, or yeah. maybe it's just my little microcosm because yeah. I'm we are not very involved close to in it. Every, every yeah. other sport, but um, it does feel that way sometimes. But honestly, like if you don't truly get the joy out of those relationships, it just you know what are we getting up for? A exactly. job that exactly. holy cow, I work fifteen ish hours a day. Yeah. I don't want to break up my salary and really think about how yeah, much I'm getting let's paid. Let's not do that. Let's not think about that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah if, if it wasn't about the people, I'm not right. sure that that uh, that I would stay in it because you know you're not going to get rich doing it. Most people aren't going to get rich doing yeah, it. Absolutely not. Um, but back to what you were saying. I mean, you know, when you're younger, it's it's so difficult to to blame mm -hmm. yourself for for your actions. It's and hard. as you get older, you you kind of uh, realize the people that were trying to help you mm -hmm. um, that maybe you, you didn't heed their advice and, right. and you look back and you you know I've had some of those conversations with former coaches as well I you know I look back and I I apologize you yeah know. oh yeah I've uh, had sorry I've sorry had I know lengthy, I wasn't the easiest to lengthy deal with. emails that I've sent <laughs> yeah. I was like hey hindsight being 2020 <laughs> I was an idiot right <laughs> um with you being at the junior college level how how is that dynamic you know you, you got guys coming in with varying backgrounds this this is like their shot to prove to a four-year school that you know they're worthy of a scholarship or they're worthy of playing at this level or that level um and and obviously just every team youth high school college we have players with varying backgrounds different family lives different financial lives like what have you but is it unique in your opinion at the junior college level 
And if so, how, how would that be unique? Like oh, the yeah. relationship I, side? I think, I think all levels of, of, uh, of basketball and, and specifically college basketball have their own unique challenges. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, with the junior college thing, I think we talked about this before. There's some, some baggage somewhere. Um, right. Maybe they need some, some skill development. Maybe they need to get bigger and stronger. Maybe mm-hmm. they need to rehabilitate their academics, right. uh, which is why a lot of, of, of uh, student athletes end up going the junior college route. Uh, you know, for me, it was, it was the skill development thing and getting a little bit bigger and stronger. That's kind of where I right. needed to be. But uh, for a lot of our guys, it's, it's the academic side or, or maybe it was an attitude thing in high school. So not a lot mm. of the four-year coaches trusted right. them with a, a pretty hefty scholarship amount. Uh, but, you know, with the junior college thing, you know, it's, it's a revolving door. So uh, I have to cast a, an extremely wide net when I'm recruiting because uh, mm. I'm, I'm looking to bring in, you know, 10, maybe 15 guys. A year. Right. You just uh, have and that's, that's a lot more than at yeah. the four-year level. So just, just the amount of, of time. Um, you know, spent on on recruiting and the amount of players that, that we have to bring into our program and teach in a hurry, get right. them up to speed in a hurry. Because I'm I'm gonna only have them for a year, my two years at most for most mm-hmm. kids. And so, um, you know, junior college definitely has its own unique challenges. But uh, once again, it's it's extremely rewarding too. Whenever you get those, those kids that, that do it academically, mm-hmm. they do it on the floor, and, and they get that scholarship to that four year school. Right. Uh, that's you know that's that's what it's all about. I think like a few things crossed my mind there and I'm going to ask you about like the recruiting process in a moment because I think you know that's one of the things I get asked about a ton with players and parents that I serve in this area um, but also hearing you say all that uh, for whatever reason in my brain it just triggered like you know it's super rewarding you said that right and um, and I'm paraphrasing but just that process is so arduous already like having to cast that wide net having to get all these players that are only going to be there one or two years get everybody on the same page develop them you know you have all those obstacles if you will or or you know little nuances and then you could put that all together and have an amazing year which is as you said rewarding but also to me like i'm thinking about the fact that even immediately after that reward you're back at work you know what I mean? Like yeah, never like stops. Just the concept of not resting on your laurels and yeah. being like, you know, thinking too highly of yourself. Like, yeah, we did it. Like, no, it's I'm back to it. <laughs> yeah. The very next day. Well, right? I mean, we're not winning national championships every year. That's that's obviously the goal is to compete for right. a national title every year. But you know, there's there's some some uh, you know some records that we've broken at the at the school and we've had quite a bit of success. But we're we're definitely not where we want the program to be right now. Uh, and as far as you know, the recruiting goes. Uh, you know, there's there's great players at all levels of college basketball. I guess I didn't I didn't remember, or maybe I didn't realize how uh, talented some of these guys were at our level. Right. And uh, you know, the the great thing about recruiting for college basketball is, you know, unlike the high school level, uh, I get to recruit players based on the skill sets that fit our program and fit our system. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so, what we're looking for in a player. Uh, might not be the same thing that other schools are looking for in a player, mm-hmm. and so that's that's a lot of fun. Just you know, understanding what uh, our head coach Steve Hunter and myself really like in a player, and going out and trying to find those guys uh, right. within our recruiting base. That's it's it's extremely difficult, but it's also a lot of fun as well. Right, and and you hit the nail on head. It's almost almost like recruiting for a corporate job, you know, if you will. You know, you've got all these applicants, a lot of players that want to play college ball, but who fits what you guys want to do at the end of the day. Right. What is that like for your program specifically? What are you guys looking for? Oh, uh, you know, we, we play very fast. Uh, right. We score a lot of points, you know, like some, somewhere between. Game last yeah, year. yeah, last year, last yeah. year was uh, around 98. We've averaged over 100 uh, right. before in a season. And, you know, we, uh, 
we look for guys that play hard. Uh, that's you wouldn't think that's a skill, but it's it's oh, becoming it a skill. Just just somebody that has a high motor, mm -hmm. uh, somebody that that has the ability to, to you know to uh, to shoot the three. And we shoot a lot of threes. That's mm -hmm. at all positions, at all five you know positions. That right. would be. Uh, very important to us and you know handling the ball and passing and we've, we've led the nation in assists uh, all five years we've been there uh, right. we pass the ball you know a lot of people think of the junior college level as a kind of a um, a selfish level where a yeah. lot of guys are just out to get there so that get they can get to the next level. Scholarship. Uh, yeah. That's that's not what we're looking for. We we usually have somewhere between four and five guys that uh, that average uh, in double figures. So right. we share the basketball, and so um, if if you're too selfish uh, or if you're too used to playing at a slow pace, those might be two things that would Barriers. definitely hinder us yeah. from from recruiting you. Right, and that makes sense to me. I mean, each each program is going to have their systems, right? Of course, and like how you guys want to play fast because there's various different ways you could right it's not just like a clock management thing you know right. it's like how are we getting our shots what spots on the floor you know what have you like quick hitters quick actions things of that nature so i'm sure like that plays a little bit into who you're looking at too oh definitely um but you know you said playing hard is a skill anymore <laughs> and it truly is like i i even had a, a conversation on twitter earlier today with a coach from oklahoma and he was talking about how frustrating or how he'll never understand like how kids can show up to the gym and like not want to work hard. And my, my first thought was like, I think as coaches, it's up to us to just recognize it, but I, I'm never going to try to get you to care as much as I care. You know what I mean? And especially you guys, like you get to choose like whether or not this dude gets a, an offer, <laughs> you know, like, okay, we thought we wanted you. <laughs> right. However, it looks like you might not be the best fit. Yeah, um, I've been wrong before. Right, of course. And, and I mean, I think that's, I think in some ways, like the, in the business world, like the hire fast, fire fast model makes a lot of sense to me with college basketball as well. Um, and and I don't know if that has anything to do with the transfer rate. You know, it may, yeah. truthfully, because we, you know, think, hey, this is a great fit for my my son or my daughter. Or, you know, coaches may think like, hey, you know, this is the spot for you until you're there right right and then like yeah we kind of uncover the other issues at oh, yeah. hand, oh, right yeah. you know, nobody's nobody's exactly who who you think they are mm -hmm. when you bring them in and 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 really you you walk that that fine line because you don't want kids to feel unsafe you want them to feel like they made the right choice and well, you want to keep them there and they've got to grow anyway like yeah. they're not going to be perfect by yeah. any means but it is a production-based business you, you right know, you have to perform and you have to to, to kind of quote unquote do it our way right. uh, while you're there, and I know that not everybody has the same goals as they as they come in, um, as maybe uh, you would like for them to have. You know, we we thought when we got into this that everybody wanted to play for four years, right. everybody wanted to get a college degree, and that has just simply not been the case. Uh, some some guys are really just looking to play another year or looking right. to play another year or two. Like they're just not um, done playing they, ball. They're yet. really not interested yeah. in, in doing the, the job in the classroom. They're really not interested in putting in the work uh, right. on the floor to develop their skills. Um, and then there are those that, that are all in, you know, right. and, and those are the ones that, uh, you know, you wish you had a whole team full of, but, mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, look at look at every JUCO roster. Not every one of them uh, transfers to a four year school after a year or two. No, that's, that's yeah. not the case. And it's so. not always skill, right? Like, no, I I worry sometimes or or you know think about how many players care so much about what others think about them that that is why I'm trying to get a college scholarship. You know what I mean? Definitely for the tweet 
you know, mm-hmm. hey, so you know, signing, you know, I can I can go into my notes app and write a paragraph thanking my coaches and my family and say, hey, I'm, you know, 110 percent committed to right. this school. The committed right? tweet. And I and yeah. I just I just worry that it, for some, might be, you know, a source of insecurity, or like you know, hey look how good I am at this. You know, maybe people will really think something of me because now I have my college scholarship. And, and I think there's so many players that you see get to the next level and realize they don't really love it as much as they thought they did. Oh yeah. And it it becomes a job too. I mean, it really is when you attach dollars and cents to the, uh, to the college basketball thing, um, you know, it, it is a job. It's, yeah. That is their job. And you're expected to campus. produce, yeah. like you, you said. You have to show up every day, and you have to bring it every day. And, of course. And uh, that that grind, and it's the longest season. You know, we, we get all freshmen and sophomores. Right. It's the longest season any of them have ever played in. Of course. And so that that mental grind throughout the throughout the year, most mm-hmm. of them are not prepared for. Uh, no. They think they are. Uh, and, and you know, I I would never, um, you know talk negatively about anybody in the industry, but a lot of these these high school coaches I don't think are, are getting guys uh, mentally and physically prepared uh, right. for where they need to be to, to play at our level, uh, mm-hmm. to play at any level of college basketball. Right. Um, you know, we, we still condition heavily, mm-hmm. and some guys never conditioned in high school. Really? And so that, that That's wild. we thought that, uh, right. you know, that wouldn't be the case, but it has well, been you got to play fast, so. <laughs> yeah, you have to be in shape to play for us. Right, so, right. Yeah. Um, what do you think with like at the high school level specifically, whether it's somebody like me, who's like, I I don't coach anymore. I just do player development or it is a coaching staff. What do you think we should be doing? And and I'm well aware there are coaches who are probably doing these things. Right. But what do you think the two, three important priorities would be for us to get them ready for the next level? Oh, definitely. And I I think we, we kind of talked about a couple of these um, before, before we started uh, recording here, but uh, you know, n- number one, first and foremost, um, you know, as far as skill development goes, would would be the weak hand development. Most right. most guys, you know, right-handed players can't use their their left hand, and and um, mm-hmm. a lot of left-handed players can actually use their right hand pretty well because really? you know, every, everyone's pretty right-hand dominant yeah. in our culture. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, as far as the the left hand goes, I think that we we definitely need to do a better job of developing uh, that for the for the next level. Um, whenever you, you you make that leap. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times it's not necessarily a skill development thing, but it is a size and speed and strength thing. Okay. And so a lot of guys don't have the commitment, I think, to their conditioning and their strength right. that they need to right. um, before they get there. Uh, and some, some of that can be helped. Some of it's, you know, it's genetics. They're just, they're just not big. Of course, yet. right. Uh, but some of those guys, you know, they've, they've never touched a weight before. They didn't take it seriously. And mm-hmm. it's catching up to them uh, when they get to the right. next level. So those, so those would be two, two of the things that yeah. I would say. And, and, and honestly, like that strength and conditioning aspect, um, I, I have some, some colleagues that are far more, you know, professional in that realm than I am, or that's their scope of practice, you know, exercise science majors that currently do that for a living. And I've heard many of them say that at the high school level, like they wish people would get rid of record boards and things of that nature, because it's not just the, the amount of weight you move, it's being able to move as an athlete. Right. And Correct. so I, I think like sometimes you see um, you see players that are injury prone and maybe you wonder, like, did they do enough specific functional movement training that could have been preventative? You know what I mean? Or, you know, I know Alan Stein, who used to be with Pure Sweat, talks a lot about, you know, things that you could quickly do at the beginning of workouts with your team to try to help flexibility and and like that movement training aspect of basketball. But 
you know, it's rare to see the player that like everybody likes to shoot. You know what I mean? And like purpose, purposeful shots is a whole other thing entirely. Like, you know, there's, there's something to be said for quality versus quantity. Um, but you know, there's less players that are willing in my experience to like put that commitment to their body, you know, like, are you getting enough sleep? Are you, exactly, are you worried about your right? diet? Are, are yeah. you consistently are you on TikTok uh, in the weight room? Yeah. Like, <laughs> are, are, you, are you running at full speed? I mean, exactly. those, those are some things that, you know, we see a lot of injuries early in the year because guys don't come in in mm-hmm. shape and then they push their bodies right. past the limits. And then, you know, we, we popped a hamstring, you know, yeah. uh, I, I've seen a lot of this early in our go. season just this yeah. year. So, and, 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 and I think like, the lifestyle side of it more than anything right like you can't just flip the switch right like if you're like and you even mentioned it like you missed that piece of it is like whenever you stepped away is just like as a student athlete it is a job it is a full-time job like you don't have your and, and i don't like shaming people for resting i think that's part of the job you know what i mean so I, i'm not by any means saying like you know the grind season is all day every day no days off like i think that's asinine but I, I think like making sure you're putting in the work that demands rest, you know what I mean? And being smart with that balance. I like that. Is, um, is just something we don't take enough pride in. You know what I mean? Like we all want to post the videos of us doing this or that or the other in the gym, but it's not sexy or fun to think about like what you're eating in the off season, the amount of sleep you're getting. Like, are you getting out and doing your runs? You know what I mean? And I, I know a lot of college programs like, will send their guys like strength and conditioning, like guidelines for the summer and like the amount of players that do it is correct. Yeah. It's and, not and, many. <laughs> and that's, that's another, you know, uh, you can call it a positive or a negative, I guess, from a coaching standpoint, right. that we have to deal with at the junior college level. Uh, we, we don't keep them over the summer. So, right. uh, even yeah, though I do send a them a strength and conditioning right. routine, uh, most of them will not do it, as you said. Of course. Uh, and Whereas, so like, the I, Division I'm not one able athlete to, to monitor them. could be, the, yeah. like, exactly. Division one and Division two guys at the NCAA level, uh, most of those coaches are going to see them outside of maybe, uh, you know, a month out of the year. They're, right. they're with them 11 months a year, so they are yeah. able to monitor a lot of these things that, mm-hmm. that I'm not uh, able to monitor right. uh, for our athletes. But, you know, the positive side of that might be that they get some time away from me and I get some time away from them. <laughs> That's which fair. Is, that, that side is, is right. maybe... Uh, I think that uh, is why you see so many... Yeah. I, I heard this when I was in Colorado and I was around the uh, University of Colorado staff and kind of picking their brains. And this was a young, young me, unsure... Did I want to coach high school? Did I want to do the student assistant thing and like be a GA and try to be a college coach? Like what, what does God have for me or what am I trying to do? And, you know, I remember asking Rodney Billups, um, Sean Kearney, whenever they were at CU and coach Tad Boyle, who was still the head coach there. And it was funny, like just talking to them and kind of hearing from their side of things, like they, a lot of them really value the JUCO experience. You know, and they're like, yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for the student assistant GA route. Like a lot of good coaches come up from that because you're in it for a while. But the junior college level is such a wild, wild west, like alternative with the the rule barriers, like you mentioned, where like you don't get all of the resources or time that the D1, D2 guys get. And so if you can succeed and the revolving door of recruiting, Mm. I think recruiting is such a big part of the job once you try to be a d1 d2 coach from from what i've been told 
you know, oh, yeah. doing that at the junior is, college level kind of proves you can do it. Maybe you know the I mean? most important part of what I do is recruiting. I mean, right. we say recruiting, scheduling, X's and O's in right. that order. Don't get those out of order because yeah. if you don't recruit the right kids for your program, you're not going to have a successful year. Right. And if you schedule um, the wrong way, then you might have kind of a rough year as well. Right. Um, it's a fine line between too many challenges and, and – uh, and not enough, you know. Right. Um, and it probably depends on games roster that you can win. year to year. Yeah, sure. and then and then the X's and O's. I mean, you mentioned it earlier. Maybe um, maybe we overthink the game a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, we'd like to think as coaches that, that maybe we can out game plan uh, or right. out skill set some of our opponents, but uh, um, that that very rarely comes into play. Mm-hmm. A lot of games are, are won or lost before we even begin. So. Right. And I think I think you hit the nail on the head. Like. You know, at the college level, of course, the recruiting part, but then at every level, the preparation. You know what I mean? The the preparation of your guys, like, are we ready to go for our schedule? <laughs> um, not like, hey, at halftime, I'm going to draw up a better set than you do to start the third quarter, or right. we're going to switch up our defensive scheme and trick you or whatever. Um, can we just prepare our guys, right? Um, what would you say, like, you, I know you recruit the Southwest Missouri area a ton yeah. with you guys not being that far away right. and your roots here. Right. Um, and I know that as well because, like, when I go watch my players play, I see you, like, probably 30 times during the season. <laughs> I'm out a lot. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So what would you say, like, if you were to take a pulse, since you played in Southwest Missouri and it, it's been a handful of years since you did that um, and now you recruit Southwest Missouri, what – what's the temperature on southwest missouri basketball like do you think we're trending up do you think we're doing things the right way like what do you think about the teams in the area the players you're seeing like i guess just the overall like i said the pulse on it yeah no i i really like recruiting southwest missouri i mean i think that a lot of the kids are are well coached and right and um you know, we, we've we've uh, had some good success with the kids from Southwest Missouri as far as their academic background as well. Right. Um, you know, a lot of great kids uh, as, as far as their character goes as well. So um, as far as where they're at nationally, um, mm-hmm. you know, I've seen basketball in a lot of different areas of the country, right. specifically the Midwest. And and um, I wouldn't say that the, the athleticism in Springfield, yeah, the Springfield, not... Missouri area is not paramount. Um, right. There's a lot more uh, high-level athletes in some of the other areas of the country. Um, but as far as coaching and style of basketball mm-hmm. uh, and skill set, very, right. very skilled, very well-coached uh, area of basketball. And so that, that makes it easier on us, you know, just because um, – we always like to say you, you, you can't be an idiot and play at North Arc because we do so many different things. We have multiple defenses, multiple offenses, and right. we change on the fly. Right, um, which requires so some, some savvy and some skill. Exactly, right. exactly. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I love recruiting Southwest Missouri. A lot, a lot of our roster, uh, you know, half over half of our rosters is from the area. Right. Uh, and just because of our, our recruiting resources, we kind of have to recruit regionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned earlier that uh, you know, we've had kids internationally, um, Serbia, Nigeria. Right. Um, we've had kids, you know, from Ohio, all, all over the country. We have a kid from San Antonio right now. Um, but for the most part, the majority of our roster is is, is Southwest Missouri and, and, and uh, Northwest Arkansas. That's right. the majority of our roster. And so um, we kind of got lucky that uh, both of those areas are, you know, like I mentioned before, uh, pretty well coached and um, very, very skilled players. Uh, and even though we might not have the, the top tier athletes all the time, we are able to compete uh, pretty well because of our recruiting base. Right. Um, I noticed that 
probably for the first time in my life whenever we moved out to Denver. You know what I mean? And there, there were definitely like some high-end elite athletes. Like there were, there was, you know, we had a player that went to Boise State as like a six-six point guard. Um, there was a local kid when I was out there that ended up at Indiana. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's some pretty top-end athletes, kind of similar to Kansas City, St. Louis, um, Memphis. You know, Memphis especially these days. Yeah. Um, but from what I noticed, and I, I'm curious if you think this is has anything to do with it, um, youth basketball out there, like there was a lot of great intentions. I met some fantastic people, right? Like people that really have a good heart for it, and there is good going on. But I felt like top to bottom youth basketball, there wasn't the structure that there was here. No, it's not you very organized. I, yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the organization of youth basketball, I mean – if you want to develop a good program as a as a high school coach, you right. got to start them early and you got to get them organized early. Of course. And if you already have a community that does that, it makes mm-hmm. your job a lot easier yeah. at the high school level. And so, yeah, what what you see in a lot of areas of the country is is that they don't have a very organized mm-hmm. um, level of youth basketball, and and so that that ends up catching up with them eventually. Right. And I saw out there, I did see good youth basketball business. There's a lot of facilities that have four or five courts. A lot of tournaments, a lot of club teams that pop up out of the woodwork here, there, and everywhere. But I feel like here, and there's still a ton of club teams everywhere. So, like, we still definitely have a ton down here because basketball is, like, such a part of the culture, you know. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But my thing is there's still more of, like, the high school coach has a little bit more to do with his feeder teams or her feeder teams. It feels like in our area. And like when I was out there, I, did, I didn't know high school or didn't notice as many high school coaches that were so involved with their, they, they were, were just like, you know, hand them off to the, to the club coaches, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, and less, um, less like camps or clinics or things that they were putting in. Like they don't actually out there play middle school versus middle school basketball anymore. Like the winter is all club season. Like they don't even have, like, you know, when I grew up, we would play seventh and eighth grade. You know, and I know some schools down to sixth grade, if you're small enough, you would hop on a bus and play the other teams in the conference. Right. And like, we didn't have that. Yeah, 10 to 15 game schedule. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Out in Colorado, we didn't have that. Yeah. They had intramurals like in the school, but it was like a thing where the top quote unquote top players like didn't play intramurals. Like they just played club ball. And I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but it's definitely a difference that I saw. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, and so I, I was curious your take on that. I feel like, I've always, you know, and, and being from here has a part, you know, we're going to be biased. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> ultimately. Yeah, we try not to be. But. but but I really do feel like, you know, we can always get what we're looking for. And if you're looking for negative, you can find it everywhere. But if you're looking for positive, like there's an awful lot of positive things about Southwest Missouri basketball. You know what I mean? Definitely. Um, and, and I think coaching is definitely part of that. Like, um, you know, there have been a lot of high school and youth programs in the area that have even brought me in and it's like just just the attitude to like bring in player development coaches to you know get a different voice in the gym or or you know get a shot in the arm and like try some different things like just the fact that there's a commitment to that is I think a positive yeah. you know what I mean oh yeah oh yeah I mean d- just just hearing a different voice or getting a different perspective I mean right just just uh last year I I called a a uh, local high school coach. Uh, right. I won't mention a name, but uh, <laughs> I was I was having some difficulty with some defensive concepts, and, right. and 
he was well known as a defensive head coach in the area right. and so I called him up on the phone and I said you know how, how do you teach these concepts right you know you've had some success with with your your clubs from of a course. defensive standpoint and uh, so you know just just taking a step back and, and understanding that it's you know as a as a collective unit of coaches we can get more accomplished right uh, it's not necessarily a pride thing of I know more than you mm. every time um, you, you sometimes you gotta you gotta get somebody else that that uh, maybe has a different perspective or teaches something in a different way. And a lot of times, what we hear uh, is, yeah, I was I was teaching that exact same thing, and it's so nice just to hear another coach teach it to like that same player, right. um, so they understand that hey, you know, it's not just me that's trying to get you to do this. You know, <laughs> a lot of other coaches believe this as well. So, right. Uh, that that uh, that's that's definitely something that's that's. Uh, we haven't shied away from. I mean, obviously, we have a. Um, I, I think very highly of my dad and his his knowledge, you know, right. um, for our program. But but at the same time, uh, he lets other coaches in the gym all the time. You yeah, know? and we don't mind he's guys not, like he's you training our players about that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's. Yeah. I think that's important. Like even. You know, not only just like the fact that you know we expect our players to be actively seeking growth or like being open to change or open to new ideas, but. You know, so obviously we should do the same in some way or fashion, right? But, you know, just like not having the insecurity of, to worry about, you know, or to be fearful of, oh, man, I was wrong or, man, I could have been better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think back and, and luckily I, I hopefully still have a long way to go here, you know, you know, if I stay healthy, <laughs> we'll say, um, you know, so I'm, I'm pretty young in this, but... I started, the, the nice thing about me failing as a college player is I started coaching center, right? In my first few years, I did everything wrong. Like, I thought it was all X's and O's, you know? And I think I had, like, a natural propensity for, like, relationships and stuff because I was younger and close to those guys' age already. But I wasn't as focused on it. Like, I was more focused on teaching you what I know. And then, like, when it came to game day, beating the coaches on the other side and proving that I know more than they do and that it's game day, like... I still had that fire as a player, which I think we all do to a degree. But um, it kind of took me being wrong a few times and getting kind of punched in the mouth. And I, I had to take a step back and be like, crap, like, A, I don't know everything. I, I think, you know, guys like your dad or, you know, I, I was talking to Coach Jim Boone the other day and like you, a lot of people follow him. Like, you know, Coach White down in Northwest Arkansas, speaking of that area, you know, yeah. there's, there's just a ton of great examples of coaches who are literally always students of the game, right? And it took me some time to figure that out for myself. But I think that was like, in my young journey, like for the young coaches that I'm friends with or, or interacting with, that's always like one of the first things I give them too. And I'm like, hey, I don't know why you're asking me because I have no idea. Like I'm still a mess, like figuring this out <laughs> as I go. But B, like the first thing you can do, I think, is opening up those doors, figuring out, you know, what it is you could be better at being self-aware, right? And, and I think that was the, just as you were talking about, you know, your dad being willing to have other, like your dad's a, in the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame. Yeah. Right, like he's, he won, what, 500 something games at the high school level before yeah. going to college. And, yeah. and yet he's, he's still willing to, hear others out and maybe see about, you know, yeah. getting a different perspective or a different way of doing things, which yeah. I think well, is there's, valuable. There's, there's a system, you know, there's a method behind his madness, but, right. but also we're, we're constantly tweaking, you yeah. know, that's, which is that, healthy. That's important. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. And, and I think that, 
I, I was just mentioning this to, to some of the players the other day. Uh, I think that 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 failing mm -hmm. is is sometimes more important than succeeding. A lot of times when you succeed, you're not yeah. sure why you succeeded. Of course. Um, but failure is something that's you know you're going to have to take a look at yourself or what what right. your actions were because that's a terrible feeling for anybody whenever they fail at something. Um, you you don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want to fail. You don't want to see mm -hmm. other people um, you know watch you you fail or. Or, right, uh, a struggle, and so those those moments. I think you grow from those moments a lot more than the, than the successes. And, and right. uh, we we always say, you know, you got to look bad before you can look good. Right, and, and I think just all too often we like almost shame like things like changing your mind or failing. You know what I mean? And you know, like you said, all too often that's where you actually grow, <laughs> right? Like that's right. that's where we actually figure out the thing that we needed to lead to this thing, and then like that's where oh, holy crap. Yeah. A light well, bulb, why do we change? Right? Because exactly. something went wrong. Exactly. Right? right. Otherwise, like we would just be the same the whole way through. <laughs> yeah. Um, looking at your guys, um, and I kind of want to switch gears here um, before I let you go. I don't want to take up all your time. I know you guys just got married last weekend, and, <laughs> and uh, your wife. Yeah, you know, my time is no longer probably my own. probably wanting yeah. you to be around a little bit more this weekend, right? Um, before the season gets hot. Yeah. But um, you know, looking at this season, you guys are starting official practice next week right correct what do you what is like your set of priorities before the first game like how, how long do you have before your first game like i haven't looked at the schedule mm -hmm. um and then well i have looked at the schedule it's not memorized yeah it's <laughs> a better way of putting it um but like what, what are your priorities before that game yeah. i guess is my question yeah so uh you know the guys come in uh, a lot of them come in, you know, before the first day of classes. We started school August 19th. Um, right. And so we basically have around six weeks before our uh, first official practice, which mm -hmm. starts on October 1st every year. Right. First official game, uh, usually sometime around November 1st. So, okay. you know, we so have roughly basic, a month. basically a month yeah. of a, uh, official practices and six weeks of what we call preseason training. But that's just like eight hours a week during those Right, weeks, right. right. We're, yeah. we're kind of limited on the amount of time and, and what we can do. You know, not a lot of five-on-five five stuff. You know, that, right. there, there are some rules. A lot of people think there's no rules in junior college. There are some rules. There's a, there's we kind of have yeah. to follow some guidelines we kind of have to follow. But, um, you, know, you know, we're going Monday through Thursday, Monday through Friday most weeks of, right. uh, you know, we do a lot of skill development. We do a lot of strength and conditioning. Uh, you know, we mentioned we had to get him in shape. Um, just, just a lot of stuff that we think maybe will, will be beneficial once we finally get to that first day of, of uh, official practice. Uh, introducing drills, parts of the whole right. uh, with, with team concepts. Uh, and, and really just trying to develop uh, some team chemistry. You know, this sounds funny, but just yesterday we went and we took our guys bowling. Right. Uh, just, just that makes total trying, sense yeah. to me, though. Yeah. We got to get these guys to to get to know each other and to trust each other mm -hmm. and to see each other for for something maybe other than than just a basketball right. teammate. And um, building uh, that that team concept um, outside of basketball is is important. You know, a lot of these kids it's their first time away from home and they're scared. And so um, just getting them acclimated to the college lifestyle. That's very, very important because when season right. hits, they don't have a lot of free time. No. They've, they've got to figure it out in a hurry. You know, when do I need to be, um, you know, somewhere? Where, where do I need to be? Mm -hmm. um, kind of getting used to that times. routine of yeah, yeah, and it's, it's time management. Some of right? them figure it out in a hurry and some of them, they, they don't figure it out the whole first year. So 
right. and, and <laughs> that that reflects on their report card and their playing time a lot of times. Of but course, yeah, right. yeah. But you know, that's that's kind of what we do the first six weeks, and then you know, with with uh, October months are a lot of fun just just because not only is it official practice, but we're allowed uh, four dates for scrimmages. So we go to a couple really? JUCO jamborees so like where we get to play three yeah. three games against other junior colleges. We do a couple of those ones at University of uh, Central Missouri, one okay. of them's at Coffeyville Community College, right? Uh, and then this year we're actually hosting a couple of scrimmages at our place. But you know we've traveled all over the place for those scrimmages. But those are those are good tests and those are eye openers for for the level right. of play for a lot of our guys as, as well uh, leading up to that first game. I did mention we had a veteran squad this year and we're pretty excited about them. But uh, early on we have uh, some significant tests, but we also have some winnable games. I, I think that this this team this year has a. Uh, you know, the expectation is to win 20 or more games out of our 30 on our regular season schedule every year. That's the expectation. Right. Um, and we've we've averaged over 20 wins a season in the last five years. Um, but, you know, just just kind of uh, getting guys ready uh, for for day one is is mm-hmm. maybe one of my favorite parts of, of what we do uh, during the, you know, the August, September and October months. Right. So just like the the preseason portion is that what you're referring to yeah, the, yeah. The, you know the preseason from from you know the first day of class is actually where they're really, seeing those like parts of the hole and yeah yeah the, the building yeah. up to to where we need to get so, i mean that could make or break you in concepts. theory right like you making the most of those eight hours a week and then yeah yeah kind of going from there well and in we mentioned the strength and conditioning i mean a lot of it is injury prevention you know we're, we're trying course. to get guys muscles uh, you know, uh, ready to go, uh, mm-hmm. where, where maybe they're not as injury prone. Most most of the athletic injuries happen in the first couple months of the season. Right. And so, uh, the better shape that we can get them in before they're they're actually physically tested at full speed uh, in a game situation, I, I think the better. Right. Um, so you you mentioned scheduling early on. You know, you talked about recruiting, scheduling, then X's and O's. Mm-hmm. Right. On your schedule, what who would you say? And it may be more than one team, I don't know. But who would you say is the most difficult to prepare for as you, like, look at the schedule? And I know, like, you know, coach coachisms, you know, we're talking to our players, it's always the next game, Yeah. right? I'm well aware of that. But, you know, no, also everybody's we're, got a game we're, we have to be, like, big picture as coaches too, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what do you what do you do when you when you look down a schedule as a college right. coach? Is, you know, that's a win, that's a loss, that could go either way. You right. know, that, that's, that's kind of how you look at your out. schedule. Yeah. Uh, and so – uh, some some of the, the the teams that are a little bit more difficult to to game plan for, uh, you know specifically there's a team in our in our league in our conference that uh, plays extremely slow, uh, okay. very ball control, right. uh, defense heavy. Um, mm-hmm. They they basically shoot it and then go get their rebound. So you guys are like polar opposites. Oh yeah, yeah. it's a completely do it's it's they they win ugly. You right. know, we, we, we like to say that, that our style of play is a lot more pretty. Right. Um, but, but at the same time, we struggle with teams like that because there's such a clash in styles of play. Mm-hmm. And, and whoever wins the tempo battle in games like that, that's who usually wins the game. Right. And so those are, those are tough to game plan for because mm-hmm. they, they do a pretty good job at playing right. their style. And we, we do a pretty good job of playing at our style. So What are you emphasizing like, when you prepare for that? What, like, what are your keys to winning that um, battle of pace? I guess. Oh, definitely, definitely. So I, I guess uh, staying engaged on the defensive end, when a team is going to hold the ball, you know, we have a 30-second shot clock. When a team is going to hold the ball for 20 or 25 seconds before right. they put up a shot, um, just staying engaged defensively for that amount of time is not something that, that most teams are used to at the junior college level. I mean, right. we shoot it in the first 10 to 15 seconds of the shot clock pretty much every trip down. Right. Um, because if we can't score in transition with a primary or secondary mm-hmm. offense, uh, we're going to run a quick hitter and try to get a shot up in a hurry. Right. Uh, that's just our style of play. And so when you play a team that's not interested in that, 
um, you know, just just that uh, that the week before that game, you kind of try to to incorporate some some uh, some moments in practice where your guys are having to defend for for right. thirty seconds at a time. No, and that, and that's assuming the other team gets their way. Like, do you guys try to speed them up? Oh yeah, defensively? the, the like, preference would be that, that they don't get to try play to that. make them yeah. play too fast. We, we press, yeah. we play fast on offense. Exactly. You know, we try to force them to play a little quicker than they're used to used to playing, right. and hopefully that pays dividends with with turnovers and us getting better shots. Um, but you know, sometimes they win the battle of tempo, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to lose the game. If we can uh, right. do those little things, like I said, by staying engaged defensively, um, making sure that uh, we're animals on the offensive and defensive glass, um, because you know those teams that that uh, like to win ugly, like the team right. that I'm referring to. Um, a lot of the reason why they win is, is just they win the, the, the defensive battle and they also win the, uh, the rebounding battle. And, and right. so um, those are some things that you focus on when, when you go into games like that is, is uh, you know, what do they do well and how can we guard against what they do well? That makes sense to me. How much, so like with you guys having to do so much development at the junior college level, um, which I, I guess that's every level, but, you know, we mentioned earlier the, the nuances and the uniqueness of being a JUCO program. How much of your like in season preparation for like game game preparation, how much of it is scouting the other team versus being good at what we're good at or being great at what we're good at? Do you know what I mean? Oh, that's like a, that's focusing on ourselves question. instead yeah. of focusing on others. That, that's an excellent question. I wish more people would, would ask that question. Right. Uh, you know, I, I think that you're a fool if you don't prepare somewhat for your opponent, but you really right. have to really focus on yourselves uh, first and foremost. Right. Uh, what are we good at? And you don't want to change who you are for a specific game. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's when you get into trouble as, as a coach or as a team is when you're trying to be somebody that you're not trying to be a team that you're not trying to play a different style than what you're used to. Uh, you, you don't want to change too much about who and what you are. But at the same time, um, there are some significant challenges with, with different teams. You know, uh, for instance, you know, when we, we play, you know, most people don't know this, there's three levels of junior college basketball. There's division right. one, division two, and division three. And we play a significant number of division one junior colleges and so when right. we play those division ones a lot of times they're bigger they're more athletic uh, they're stronger they're more skilled uh, and so there are some 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 ways that maybe we can tweak what we do um, to kind of uh, take away um, some of those challenges physically right. that we might have to uh, come up against with those division one junior colleges and so that that might be a way that we might tweak a little bit uh, Kind of change a little bit who and what we are um, for a specific game. You know, we'd like to play man to man against everybody, but there are some games where we're going just to play some can. zone, yeah. um, just from a matchup standpoint. Right. You know, we, we played uh, Scotty Pippen's nephews, Kavion Pippen, six ten, two sixty, and we don't have anybody that can guard hard him one on one in the post. With that. So yeah. we played a lot of a zone that game, just just yeah. so we could kind of keep him mm -hmm. um, away from the rim. Of course, right, and you know, like kind of dictate where he catches exactly, and, and exactly. like are we three quarter full in this spot, and so we got a guy on the backside yeah, because we, we're in a zone. You know exactly who should be there. And, and when you're in a full thing. front, you know from right. from a post standpoint, you've got backside issues, and and right. so that really handcuffs your ability to defend on the perimeter as well. Exactly. Uh, right. And so the preference would be not to be in a full front or even a right. full three quarter so you front. Guys try to avoid that as best. Yeah, just force if, them if to can. catch it in a spot where you can dig. 
and kind of make them play uncomfortable from a certain area of the floor. Exactly. Is that more P- like push them off the block. Don't let them right. catch it too deep. Um, but at the same time, if you're going to let them catch it over the top uh, and you don't have any backside help, that's an easy layup. Or if you have backside help, it's a pretty easy skip for an open three on the weak side. So, right. so those, those are some things you have to think out. about. What yeah. are we willing to give up? Because you can't. Exactly. You really can't defend everything. No, you can't. <laughs> and I, I think that kind of like sums it up defensively too. Um, like deciding what we're definitely not going to like i think it's good to know your um your yeses and your noes like yes we need these three things yeah no we will absolutely not yeah. deal with these three things we'll right? just, or, just or simplify our, our defensive philosophy number. right uh, you really don't want to give up layups or open right. threes that's right. that's what people are best at in today's game kind of, layups kind of and open threes to. you know rim finishes and, and open right. threes that's what people work on that's what people are trying to get Highest and so if we possession. can get guys to take right. contested uh you know 12 to, to 18 foot jumpers that's that's, that's the really idea. the goal of our defense you know outside of getting do you a, guys a um do you do you do anything specific like drop coverage versus ball screens or anything like that that kind of yeah, forces yeah. those things? I, I hope nobody that we play uh, is, <laughs> is watching this or right. is going to listen to this. But I mean, they're going to have film anyway. Right, right, right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's the great thing about college basketball is pretty much everybody shares film across the board now. Right. So there's really not a lot of secrets. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a battle of wills, you know, right. when you get there because everybody kind of knows what you're going to do. Exactly, uh, right. But, but yeah, j- just to that point, you know, we, we like to, to, you know, some people call it blitz, some people call it trap or double. We like to do that with our bigs we like to, to go ahead and trap those ball Just screens and, and yeah. see if we can get a steal okay. and, and really put the the offense on the defensive as they come off the ball screen right what does the guard want to do he wants to turn the corner and turn it up or he wants to get a shot off right. uh, as he turns the corner he wants to have a pocket pass well if we can take that pocket pass away or take that mm-hmm. shot away or force him off the arc as he right. as he comes off that that big on small ball screen um that's kind of where we've had a lot of success in our ball screen coverage in, right. in recent years that makes sense to me though yeah so with our guard on guard ball screens you don't see a lot of guard on guard ball screens we pretty much let our guards switch right. uh, almost everything down screens flare screens ball yeah, screens our guards really are, are all going to be between 6'2 and 6'5 for the most part so we don't get into a lot of issues with having them well, uh, allowing them to switch you're seeing that and, and part of it like you mentioned is your roster kind of yeah. dictates what you do but at the same time you're seeing trickle down effects at all times like I think a lot of why I study NBA more like I study college basketball like I watch film you know I have synergy so I can like dive in and do those things but I think part of why I study the NBA the most isn't I'm not really digging for James Harden's elite step back you know repertoire or whatever like I don't coach many James Harden's um and I'm not trying to make any (laughs) I think what I like the most is the trickle down where you see successful NBA teams and then you almost always see you know, pieces of what they do, like coaches take that stuff at the next level, right? And so you start, you watch March Madness and you see like, oh yeah, the Warriors did that a lot yeah. the last couple of years. And, and switching is like one of those things right. where a lot of teams in the NBA want to switch anymore, right? And so now it's like up to coaches to figure out how to combat that. But it's always delayed at the college level. It trickles right. down, it's a little bit slower. And so if you're able to switch, Teams aren't really necessarily like. Do you guys see a lot of switching whenever you're playing against other oh, teams? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, see, a, lo- so, a lot so of teams. I mean, do you think that thesis is correct? I, well, I mean, 
I'm not sure that there's a right or a wrong answer. I mean, a right. lot of it's based on personnel. Uh, That's fair. You know, I, I can't switch with my. I've got a six ten kid that's two twenty. Yeah, he's. I, I can't. I can't switch with him on the right. perimeter. But if you can switch one through four, that's not awful. No, no. Yeah. I mean, if you can switch, I mean, it's the Steph Curry effect. I mean, right. What, he's eliminated a lot of centers from the game that can't switch on the perimeter because what right. happened every trip down the floor? Uh, he would try to get somebody into a ball screen situation where they had to switch, otherwise he would light him up. And so, right. Uh, that 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 whole concept right there is mm-hmm. a, is the reason why a lot of NBA teams want to switch almost every ball screen right. or ice them. You know, where they they're not even allowed to get mm-hmm. to the ball screen. Well, and you mentioned the points per possession. Well, I mentioned points per possession, but you were talking about the three-pointers and layups being, like, the goal. Right. And, like, usually that kind of, t- like, negates it at least to a degree. Like, we're running you off the three-point line. Right. We're loaded up to contest your layup. Like, right. you've got to shoot somewhere in between off the dribble. Right. With a hand. In. That's, that's, that would be the <laughs> right. preference for, for most defenses, I of think. Of course, yeah. Uh, and there are some exceptions. get to that. There's some guys that can really, you know, can hurt you from, from right. the mid-range. Uh, but a longer two... We'll, we'll get, take our chances. We can live with that, right? Yeah. And and I think that's fair. Like it's that's a whole other conversation, like analytics versus tradition. Um, I'm I'm a big believer in like what you said, like know your roster, know who you are, take what you take what works, and be great at that. Um, without like taking too much more of your time, if we had to leave the parents, players, whoever it is I serve, or whoever it is is taking the time to to watch or listen to this. If you like had to leave them with any advice, be it, and, and I'm thinking youth in high school, players and parents, so a very specific demographic, what would you, as a college coach, as a, as a college assistant, say to that demographic? Like advice, you know, for those who, and not everybody wants to play college basketball, but for those who aspire to, what would your advice be? And I think we've touched on it for sure throughout this whole conversation, but yeah. like if you had to sum it up bullet points. Yeah. So, so for advice for for the uh, the high school basketball player that, that wants to play college basketball, uh, a, lo- a lot of people think that it, all of all it has to do with is is uh, is what they can do on the basketball floor, and that that couldn't be further from the truth. Right. Um, you know what kind ki- what what kind of uh, teammate that they are, mm-hmm. uh, what type of student that they are, um, you know w- what they can afford financially is so so important when it comes right. to. Uh, college basketball and, and you, you, you'd hope that it would be just about the basketball side of things but that's just simply not the truth mm-hmm. and so understanding that there are multiple levels of college basketball and multiple options uh, within the scope of college basketball I think would be important most high school players have never seen anything other than a division one basketball game they've never seen a division two basketball game a division three basketball game a junior college basketball game an NEI basketball game uh, there are some players that can really play at all of those levels oh, yeah. and those are options uh, from a financial standpoint from an academic standpoint uh, from a skill set standpoint for a lot of uh, a lot of players um, and so I, I guess what I would say to all of these these players that are aspiring to play is to, to, to do your homework. Not not only right. do you need to do the work in the classroom and on the floor and, and get, you know get your high school coach on your good side. That way he puts in a good word of course for you with guys like me. But uh, and, and you know there's there's always some somebody watching. 
Right. You know, you mentioned that I'm in a lot of gyms. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I see somebody and that's not playing hard on one end of the floor or is a bad teammate or is uncoachable, um, or even after the game, walking through the hallways, what they're doing, um, the, those things right. are, are very important when I'm, when I'm investing a lot of time and money and effort into a person over a year or two years with me. Mm-hmm. Those things are very important because I, I want my working relationship uh, day in and day out to be a positive thing. And so bringing the right people in um, is is extremely important. So just know that somebody's always watching. Um, do the right thing on and off the floor. Right. And, and really just do your homework on the different levels of college basketball and what your options are. So th- that would be, I right. guess, uh, a long-winded uh, <laughs> piece of no, advice for, for yeah. parents for parents and players of you know um that, that are looking to to be you know involved in, in college well, basketball. and like i said like i've been picking your brain for a little bit now so i don't want it to get drowned out like i think summing it up definitely helps you know be it sounds like be aware right be accountable yeah. and then doing the right thing is always the right thing oh yeah right oh, yeah and uh, then it'll take care of itself I, I would love for you know I, I always say, you know, I think fast, I talk fast, and I talk too much. Uh, and people always ask me why I repeat myself, and it's because I have to repeat myself. With hey, some of these hopefully kids. it sinks but, in. <laughs> but having, having you paraphrase a lot of, of what I've said is, is, is definitely helpful, and, and uh, I hope that it's, uh, it, it helps you and your message, and it helps somebody out there right. um, with, with their thought processes as they move through, um, you know, this this you know junior senior uh, year of high school is you know they have this this yearning to play college basketball and to prove what they can do at the next level. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it. Right, coach. I appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate you. Podcast listeners, thank you all once again from the bottom of my heart for listening to Center Court. Tweet me at Coach Dakota Webb. Let me know what you thought.